So if you guys are going to college for the first time, maybe you're looking to go back and finish up your degree, MSU Denver Online is an awesome choice. In the times that we're in, online school is the only choice for a lot of us. It's been a while since we've had it in times that we're in. (laughs) I thought I'd bring it back. But MSU Denver Online has been doing the online thing for a long time, so they've perfected it. Their teachers are used to teaching online. And it's a great option. No matter what type of student you are, if you're working a job on the side, they have a super flexible course. Uh, so check out their entire course list, msudenver.edu backslash online. Maybe you could take a class this fall, next spring, next summer, like I did over the summer. So it's a great option for everyone. Check them out. What is up, everybody? And welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Thursday edition I'm your host, Adam Mattis. I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues. It's Harrison Wind. How's it going, guys? How's it going? It's going really good. Had a really bad Thursday, uh, Wednesday, but Thursday has been fantastic. <laughs> I'm laughing because we're recording these all on Wednesday. <laughs> it's like a back-to-back. Um, it's, all my jokes are inside jokes right now. Um, I'm also joined by Brennan Vogt. Yeah, you stole my bit. I was going to say, feeling a lot better than yesterday, guys. Damn it. Happy is, to be here. Yours is better than mine. It was cleaner. Uh, we're continuing our series here of some questions that, uh, that there's actually 12 of them uh, that are going to help us sort of frame the state of the Denver Nuggets. And we'll just hop right into it today, guys. Um, my first question on the docket, we asked this one during the bubble or right before the bubble, I believe. It was when Bull Bull was going off. We asked, what is the core of the Denver Nuggets and who is in the core? Um, maybe our perspective has changed since a couple months ago. I'm curious about that. Brendan's nodding yes. So I'll start with you then, Brendan. Who is the core of the Denver? Who's in the core? I think it's Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., of course. Um, and I, I think there's a fourth member. I'll limit it to four when I would not have probably last time we talked about this. And if he comes back, I think it's Jeremy Grant uh, mm. because I think he plays into not just what they do well, um, but their identity. He would be essential to that trio uh, based off what we just saw in the postseason working um, defensively. And, and so, like, he's really sort of what those three center around and makes that work. Will Barton and Gary Harris. I mean, Gary Harris is Mr. Nugget. As long as he's here, I think fans will think of him that way. But I view those two guys as as – these words feel harsh, not essential, expendable. I think mm. if you were looking to upgrade via trade market, you would look at those two guys. Um, and so from that standpoint, I hate to say it, I kind of think they're on the outside looking in right now. Yeah, it's crazy because we had this conversation right when the bubble started. And it's pretty rare that I think a guy like Jeremy Grant can go from out of the core to in into the core you know, just off of a couple playoff right. series. I don't think that happens a ton. Um, but he seems pretty damn essential to what the Nuggets are doing right now and what they're going to be doing going forward. Now, I think he's clearly the fourth member of the core. It's right. Jokic, Murray, Porter as, you know, like maybe an inner core and uh, Jeremy Grant's um, – <laughs> the fourth member of that, but for the purposes of this argument, um, I think it's a four man core. And just like when talking about Jeremy Grant, if you're going to find a fourth guy to fit around those three and to also be part of the core, like that's a tough kind of spot to fit. Like you need a guy who's, who's tall. It can do a lot of things defensively and can guard a lot of positions and can shoot. 
There's not a lot of those guys in the league. Right. But Jeremy Grant's one of those guys. I agree with you guys. I added one other name to the list, and that was Michael Malone, um, who at the moment I just think is part of this team. It, if the Nuggets were to – I know a lot of Nuggets fans – I don't think anybody's calling for Malone to be fired anymore. You know, But when the team was down 3-1, and a lot of people saying this or that, it's hard for me to envision a Denver Nuggets team losing the coach and not being drastically different. I – Maybe better by a playoffs, but there just would be some turmoil, I think, between like any type of handshake. So for that reason, Michael Malone to me is part of this core because he's part of the identity of whatever it is that this Nuggets team has been and will be going forward, at least for this next season, if not beyond. But you're right that the core is Murray and Jokic. The right next to that core is uh, is Michael Porter Jr., who's making the case for himself to be a big three, not just a duo. But oftentimes to unlock a duo, you need the perfect role players. And Jeremy Grant to me is, is that's exactly what he is. He's the perfect role player. Can you find out? I don't know if that means he's part of the core or not. It almost becomes semantics at that point, but he becomes a piece that unlocks the brilliance, in my opinion, of, of the rest of those guys. One of the things I liked, I talked yesterday about the Grant Porter, Jokic, Murray, you know, foursome. What I like about that is they basically in the playoffs played with a couple different lineups. One of them was Mason Plumlee, only two minutes, so we'll throw that one out. But Dozier they played, um, and it worked, albeit in smart min- uh, small minutes. Millsap they played, it it worked in small minutes. Uh, Monte Morris played him, it worked in small minutes. Torrey Craig they played in actually the most minutes, and it was the worst of those. So, like, you – there's a lot of different people you can plug in, it seems, around those four players, and it works. And so, to me, that becomes the core. If you take Jeremy Grant out, you just talk about the big three. Well, there are combos you can throw out there that kind of ruin those three guys. That are They look terrible when you put them out there alongside those guys. So, to me, I, I happen to agree with you guys that that is, to me, the core of it, even though they're not all equally the core. There's, like, there's guys that are – Jokic and Murray are still the central part of that core. I would say the hardest – um, exclusion here is Gary Harris, right? I mean, I think it's like the guy that fans are going to want to be a part of that, I think, group. But I, I think the reality is he's he's not integral to what they're trying to get done, I think, on the offensive end. I don't know if Gary's part of the core for me anymore. Same with Barton. Like, those guys are really good. They become They make you better. It's not that they don't make you – but it's just that can they be replaced? Like, if you take Gary right. Harris out of yes. that, you put those four guys on the court. You take Gary Harris out and you put P.J. Dozier in. Might be better. You take Gary Harris out, you put Monte Morrison. Might be better. Might be as good, at least not that much worse. So there's other guys that you kind of do that. I don't think if you take Jokic out, no, it's a completely different team. You take Murray out, completely different team. Porter out, completely different team. And Grant's that one linchpin that ties it all together. So to me, it it seems at this very moment, it's a pretty easy foursome of the Mm -hmm. core for me. Great points all around, Adam. Excellent job. So good. I Just nothing to add. There's just nothing else to add. Let's get to the question number two on our list here. Does it make sense to keep and to continue to build with Monte Morris and PJ Dozier? Are those guys a little bit redundant? They're completely different skill sets, but is it a little bit redundant? What do you think, Harrison? Uh, I think it makes sense to have both of those guys on the team next year. Um, you look at just how it's looking financially. Uh, Dozier's on a super cheap deal. Monte Morris is on a non-guaranteed deal, I believe, so they could work out an extension with them. I think they're both guys that 
you want to keep around. Like if the Nuggets can work out an extension with Monte that keeps him on, you know, a pretty manageable deal and it's also a tradable contract, I think that's a win-win for both sides. And they complement each other too. Like you can play a backcourt off the bench with both those guys. Uh, Monte has has proven the last couple of years and he proved it in the playoffs this year that he's a capable shooter. He's capable in the pick and roll. Uh, Dozier has not shown that he's a great shooter, but he's also capable in the pick and roll. And just personally, I like having, you know, two guys who can play in the pick and roll on the court at the same time, especially on a bench unit. Um, defensively, uh, kind of going back to my point a couple of days ago about Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. complimenting each other on the defensive end. The same thing kind of goes for Dozier and Monte. So mm. I think they're a good pick or a good fit. Yes, they're both technically point guards, but I think they can both play the one and the two. So I think it makes sense to, to keep building with both of them. There is an argument, though, I think, for the sort of keep the asset train rolling school of thought. I mean, there's maybe Morris is looking at himself as um, going to receive some, some low-end starter offers. That's mm-hmm. possible. Uh, or higher-end backup than the Nuggets are willing to pay, knowing they have Dozier in tow. And if that's the case, do you sort of look at those 82 games as why wait, sort of get Dozier involved as the backup one who maybe plays some off-ball minutes next to Murray? Let's make sure we know we have that card in our pocket by round one. So there's a small argument to, to be made there. Um, and then also what happens with Gary and Bart, you know, if they're both in, in a Nuggets uniform, I would say it makes less sense to keep both Monte and PJ, um, especially if maybe you want to look at PJ's wild card long shot to a path um, at shooting guard minutes. I've just looked up <clears throat> DJ Augustine made $7 million for the last four years, each of the last four years. Patty wow. Mills made over $10 million for each of the last couple of years. Those are some of the more high-profile, I guess, backups, you know, the pe- people that have been around for a while. I don't – you know, if Monte is worth that much, and maybe he is, you know, maybe it is – maybe you do have that backup and, okay, P.J. Dozier's been extended for a couple of years that he's a safe, you know, maybe you don't need a great backup point guard. It also depends on what Denver does. Of course, we have been talking about players like – you know, maybe an Oladipo or a Drew Holiday or Alonzo Ball or Spencer Dinwiddie type. It, there's these combo guards out there that maybe you don't need a backup point guard. Maybe you have between Barton and uh, Jamal Murray and one of those two guys plus a new incoming guard, combo guard, you have enough ball handling there. There's that case as well. And then to your point, you know, there's something about these guys as good as they are can you spend that money elsewhere? Can you move an asset in a trade that lends you somebody else that shores up a larger weakness? So I don't know if it makes sense to bring both. I think it actually is more dependent on what Denver's trying to do in free agency and whether they're trying to upgrade with some of the players that maybe are a little bit more versatile. As much as I love Monte Morris, I don't like players who you have to be really careful about who you pair them with. And he's just so Mm -hmm. small that I don't, you know, you kind of have to be like, okay, now we need a little bit more length out there for, if he's going to play. I'd rather players that you don't worry about that as much. P.J. Dozier, similar, great. Can't play P.J. Dozier and Torrey Craig together or else you're probably not going to have enough spacing in your backcourt to get things done. So, um, so I don't know. To me, that's a tough question. Who do you like better out of those? If you had to pick between those two guys, and let's just assume the money was equal for the next two seasons, who, who do you think you would go with both? Man, that's a really, really tough question. I think Dozier for for the mm-hmm. length and the defensive upside. 
Do you think that this is one of those things where we always pick the mystery box rather than the thing that you have? Like Monte, yeah. we just yeah. kind of know he's, he's really good. De- so defined. Monte's such a defined player yeah. and his utility is so easy to sort of project. So I think you're right in that dynamic. Yeah. I'd take Dozier too. Um, I mean, it, it kind of, it's kind of dismissive of how solid Monte Morris has been. I know. But I know. You feel bad saying it, but um, yeah, I'd take Dozier. Man, it's inter- I guess I would too, but I 100% I'm with you, but I 100% think this is just the mystery bias. I don't know what this is called, but it's the thing where it's like, yeah, but he could be really good, but he's not. Monte Morris is super solid, like super solid. No mistakes, right. offense or defense. Makes 40% of his three-point shots, which is insane. Like that's that's actually sneaky valuable for the Nuggets. I think that we all say Dozier, but I think we might all be wrong. I agree. We're probably wrong. I agree. That's the take. Uh, All right, let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, though, we're going to talk about Torrey Craig and what – does he return to the team? And if not, what does that mean about the Nuggets going forward? Um, But first – Yeah, guys, make sure to check out the Avalanche Amber from Breck Brew. If you don't know where to get Breck Brew, wherever you're you're located throughout the United States, make sure to check out the Breck Brew Beer Locator. It will track down the closest Breck Brew to you. And it's pretty funny. We've had people just adding us on Twitter, you know, throughout really the last year, just all the random places where they found Breck Brew. Uh, So make sure to use that. If you're looking to find some Breck Brew, make sure to check out the Avalanche Amber. And also, guys, week three of football is in the books. Now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week four, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to their app store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. You can pick any team. Turn $1 into $100 for new users. Don't worry if football is not for you. DraftKings Sportsbook has tons of prop bets for the NBA. Finals, of course. Baseball playoffs is going on right now. Uh, It's also giving all basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. Make sure to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code DNVR during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 Seven zero zero, and before we move on, guys, let's do a DraftKings pick of the week. Are we up for that? Are we let's up for a DraftKings pick of the week? Let's do it. So I was uh, browsing the props for Finals MVP. How about this? Bam Adebayo plus nine hundred for a Finals MVP. Wow. Bet a cool ten dollars, win a hundred. Um, if the Miami Heat win, it's either Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler for finals MVP. I could see I could see it being Bam Adebayo, uh, especially if he fares really well on Anthony Davis. So I like that. I'm going Bam Adebayo for finals MVP for my DraftKings pick of the week. That's one of those good value, bad, but I don't know. Like you're still, <laughs> you're, you're, it's still a big risk. I like Bam, by the way. I, Bam's one of my favorites, man. That guy is so yeah. good. I'd love for him to shut down Anthony. I'm telling you, I'm rooting. 
talk about what Shaden Freud. I'm I'm very much rooting for Anthony Davis wilting under the pressure of the finals. <laughs> Completely wilting. I want a Paul George level hitting the side of the backboard <laughs> type meltdown <laughs> from him. <laughs> and then everybody in Lakers land to turn on him. That's what I'm rooting for. Um, so, all right, we're going on now, finishing on with uh, our series here, trying to talk about where the Nuggets are, figure out the state of the Nuggets after this very exciting season. Does Tory Craig return to the Denver Nuggets? I think I, the reason I like this question is because I think it, it contains a lot of other topics inside of it. Because Tory Craig, a bit player, right? Role player. Mm-hmm. Nuggets discovered him. He was a great feel-good story, undrafted. Does he come back? Harrison, I'll start with you. Um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Now, there will be people – within the Nuggets organization, I'd have to think, I'd have to guess, mainly Mike Malone, who will petition for Torrey Craig to return. But you look at, you know, the Nuggets available cap room this summer, I think they're going to have like 30 million available um, under the luxury tax, at least roughly 30 million. Uh, They've got to re-sign Jeremy Grant. You know, they maybe want to make a little addition elsewhere. They got the Monte Morris extension potentially. I don't know how much room there's going to be for Torrey Craig. Uh, last time he was up for a contract extension, Torrey turned down more money elsewhere to return to, to the Nuggets. I don't know how much more money, but it, it was more money that he turned down. And I think there's going to be interest in him um, around the league, like six six defender, right, uh, right. At, at least on paper. That you know, that's a need for a lot of teams out there. And you know, you talk to people who come through Denver. There are a lot of fans of Tory Craig, just like scouts and people from other teams. So, um, if I had to to guess, I'd say no, he's not in Denver. Mm. I think one way of looking at this is this is an org that, for the most part, has been on the same page and worked together on all three levels from the coaching staff to the front office to ownership. Uh, Michael Malone does clearly seem, I think, I think we can assume from the outside, he's probably more keen on playing Torrey Craig than like anyone else in the world. And that directly conflicts with Michael Porter Jr. minutes as we've seen. So if you're the front office and let's say like hypothetically, you do want to see that offense explode. You want MPJ to play more. Malone's your guy. He's proven that. Um, you don't you like you stick with Malone. So what you do is you take that option away from him and you take yeah. that tough decision away from him. And so I wonder if they look to do that. I think your point is, is the most important one. Um, Torrey Craig's a good player in a right role. I think in like almost like a PJ Dozier type role this year where it's, you know, regular season. Yeah. He could make an impact every now and then in limited minutes. And when he has it going, you ride that. Houston, he was phenomenal. There were matchups throughout the season. Utah during the regular season, he was phenomenal. He had a role. I don't. I think the biggest thing is that he became Michael Malone's security blanket and way overused because of that. And I think that if you're the front office, you really want to get to your line. We just read that lineup about um, the big four, right? The core four and how great they looked. Why did it only play 120 minutes? What if you just replace Michael Porter and put Tory Craig in there? I'd almost assure you, you had more minutes of, of a sample size with that one. So do you take away that security blanket and say, Hey man, you got to win. Like I, I know defense is important. Get these guys to defend. We can't, we can't, no longer can we have these guys that, that hurt us. I think that's actually 
to me, I think that's what the front office does this offseason. I'm not saying they get rid of all their defenders. I just think that they put the team in position to have to rely on their best players, not their best defensive players. Right. You want to be – Denver was ahead of schedule this this season, but by the end of next season, you want to feel confident that every tool you're looking to take into the postseason uh, is well sharpened and you know exactly where it is in your back. Last weekend on WGT, guys, we gave away $300 total, 200 bucks to the first place finisher in our WGT close to the pin major, $100 for second place, third place winner got some cool DNVR swag. All you guys got to do is win a closest to the pin challenge on WGT to take home that money. We play tournaments every weekend on WGT. Make sure to download the game World Golf Tour from dnvrgolf.com. Search for the DNVR three country club. You'll automatically be entered into all the tournaments that we do every single weekend. It's a super fun game too. Uh, So check out WGT World Golf Tour. Also, it's National Coffee Day, or it was National Coffee Day on Tuesday, and we're hyping it up all week here at DNVR. And to celebrate, Strava Craft Coffee is offering a 30% off coupon for DNVR listeners. 30%? If you, 30%, yeah, up from the regular 20%. What? A 30% off what? Coupon. <laughs> Dude, you are the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you really are. You have so many little speech things I just love. Uh, I, I could never be like a radio host at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> At least with you guys is my peanut <laughs> gallery. <laughs> Strava, now's the time. We've raved about this CBD infused coffee for a long time, and it's because it not only tastes amazing, but the health benefits have been incredible for so many. If you love coffee and happen to suffer from chronic migraines, IBS, arthritis, etc., you should check out Strava Craft Coffee. We're not saying this coffee is a cure to any of those ailments, but it will certainly help. And just check out the reviews and all of the other people that it's helped as well. Head to StravaCraftCoffee.com today and get 30% off by using the code DNVR30. So I want to circle back to our previous question before we move on to our last one of, of today's episode, because we were talking about Tory Craig and, um, you know, whether or not the Nuggets would stick with him. But there's another question, which is, if he is gone, who is next year's Tory Craig? Because you have to think, two years ago, it was Emmanuel Moutier. Everything was his fault, right? Like, anytime the Nuggets weren't good, it was, well, Emmanuel Moutier. Look at all the lineups he's in. He ruins them. Then it was Trey Lyles. Look at Trey Lyles. He ruins it. There always seems like there's one player that's just not quite up to the level. And it's almost impossible. Every team has one of these. For the Lakers, it was Rajon Rondo in the regular season. Now he's, like, the best player on the team. But if for the Nuggets – if they do lose him, is there a player that you think steps in? Does like PJ Dozier go from being the backup quarterback where we're all calling for him to it's like, ah, oh, PJ missed another open three? Do you think there's a scapegoat waiting in the wings? Should Craig not not return vote? I don't know. Uh, I'd say the scapegoat. The scapegoat could be. Gary Harris or Will Barton, if oh, one of those guys is on the roster. Right. Sure. I think you're That's right. That's the right answer. Oh, oh I hate no. That. I hate that. You know what? Let's just get ahead of it. It's going to be Will Barton. You think it's Barton? Wow. See, I would have said Gary Harris. I just don't – I think fans only need a little push in that direction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. To fans start are turning much more on. ready, yeah. Yeah. Um, Will Barton's a good one. Um, Gary Harris is a good I, one too, man. I would – in the regular season, you're go- there's a lot of guards for him to co- sort of defend, and the Nuggets offense with Porter in there might be good enough that it doesn't matter. 
but um, it also <laughs> might, <laughs> it almost might not because nobody guards Gary Harris. And every night you're just kind of like, ah, they're playing five on four in the half court. Kata Bates Diop, if he's on the team, might be that guy that gets Whoa. elevated to 10th guy. Well, he might get <laughs> the 10th guy. I'm just saying, look, the Nuggets brought him over. He's a prospect. It might be that, like, oh, we love when Yoke's on the court. We love when Jeremy and Michael Porter. But every now and then, Kata Bates Diop has to be in there. And it's just like, ah, he's the new Trey got Lyles. wing Trey Lyles. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, the, now that you mention it, he does seem like a potential guy. Yeah. Yeah. I he's just, see it. he's the classic like he doesn't shoot very well it's kind of ugly he doesn't finish around the rim really well he does like a lot of the stuff people don't appreciate um kind of like a tory but he doesn't finish the plays and that's the thing everybody notices so yeah you're right malone's gonna give him 16 minutes a night for sure <laughs> now that he's flesh it out like that he's gonna shut down DeRozan like one time and it's like hey the stopper <laughs> <laughs> you guys remember that night he held DeRozan to seven points uh, this segment not unfair, entirely fair to KBD, who has yet to really. <laughs> who we also don't know anything about. Like he could be awesome. Yeah. And it's just like wow. Exactly. Diamond. I don't think he is though. I know. I don't think there's a diamond in the rough there. Um, last question for today: What is the ceiling and what is the floor for Gary Harris next year? He's had a really high peak in his career. He's had a really low low floor, a really low valley. Um, what should we expect of him there, Wind? What what's the ceiling in four for me? <laughs> oh, this is tough. Like, I could see him having uh, a very like similar regular season to what he had this year. Mm. Like, great on the defensive end. Um, he he was really good in those first two playoff series on defense, and it was very reminiscent of how he played defense at the beginning of the season when the entire locker room was calling him first team. And, like, regular season defense, especially with who the Nuggets will play in the Western Conference, that's really valuable. You know, it's just really valuable. And Gary will do that no matter what level of offense he's playing at. He'll play defense at a very high level. Um, So I I think the most likely scenario is he has a pretty similar year. Um, I'm not expecting him to be a 40% three-point shooter again. I love for him to prove me wrong, but – I mean, after two straight years of this, I don't know how you could expect that. Um, And, you know, his off-the-dribble game obviously isn't close to where it was two years ago either. I think that's probably a little more likely to return than his 40% three-point shooting, if I just had to guess. Um, But I I think the most likely scenario is he has a a similar regular season to what he had this year. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes I wonder how much the rise – uh, the rise and fall of, of of Harris's offensive game is correlated with the the size of his role in the offense. And there was once a time where Harris was, on some nights, the second, um, usually third most important player on what they were doing was that secondary ball handler we've described, Monte and PJ as. Now he looks like Charles Barkley post-Alien Encounter and Space Jam right now. <laughs> but you have to wonder if that's because he doesn't really know what he's supposed to do on offense and he's not touching the ball a lot and it doesn't really happen in rhythm. And, and so maybe he's a little more confused. And so from that standpoint, I don't think that's going to get any better with MPJ catching more minutes, Grant coming back point. probably. And so I think that, um, I think that ceiling is pretty limited. Like I don't think he gets anywhere near the guy we once saw. 
It's funny how we've all given up on the ball popping because Gary Harris, I think we could admit, had his best years when the ball was popping. And one of the and the Nuggets have kind of evolved over the years. It doesn't pop as often. Doesn't it's not like this high ball movement, fast paced half court anymore. And I wonder if that's because Gary Harris is no longer very good, or um, he's no longer very good because the, the offense has changed right. so much. It's kind of, or maybe those two things are completely divorced of each other and they're not they're not connected at all. Um, I agree that working Michael Porter Jr. into the offense is going to be the emphasis next year, not not Gary Harris, not whoever is playing the shooting guard position unless they make a giant trade. So you could make the argument that, you know, he kind of gets cannibalized by that. But you could also make the argument that he's open even more because now you have not just two players you have to guard, but really four. Jeremy Grant's going to come in. He doesn't stretch the court like a Michael Porter does, but he can knock down threes. He, he can slash. He can maybe next year put the ball on the court, on the floor. you got Michael Porter who has an enormous amount of gravity. The paint might be open more than ever. And then let me give you one other thing that happened between when Gary Harris was good and when he was not good. Paul Millsap joined the team, and he became this too-big lineup. It was right around that exact same time that Gary Harris sort of started to fall off the face of the planet. So what if you open that up with instead of having a second sort of more traditional power forward, you have two guys that are three-point shooters, and now all of a sudden the paint's open and Gary Harris looks dynamic again. This is another reason that not playing Michael Porter this year more minutes kind of hurts because we'd love to know, does Gary Harris look more like his old self when you stretch the court? I think there's at least a little bit of reason to hope for that, even if I wouldn't count on that if I were the Denver Nuggets. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. Um, I think that is a – reason to be positive about what Harris could do next year. Um, but kind of going back to what vote was saying, I don't think Gary's going to like to hear this, but I mean, if there was ever a year for him just to be like a three and D guy, mm-hmm. you know, like the definition of, of that can, can kind of vary based on the player and based on the team. But there is a scenario where like he's, he has the lowest usage of his career next year. If he is the starting shooting guard, you know, Right. He is just like a, a three-point guy from the corner in the wings because um, he's definitely going to be the fifth option on offense if the starting lineup that we think is going to be the starting lineup is, if it's Murray, Harris, Porter, Grant, Jokic. I mean, he, Gary is the, the fifth right. option there. So he could just by default have the smallest role of his career, at least on paper. Yeah. Do you think that his decline – Another thing that happened right around the decline was the injury started to pile up. Do you think he's more of an injury concern, meaning you have less confidence that he would stay healthy for a full season or enough of a full season? Um, Or do you think he's more of just a liability that sometimes he just doesn't make any shots and his offense completely leaves him? Because sometimes it's there. What do you you think is more of an impact on him both? Uh, Can I say both? Yeah, it's probably both. Um, The the injuries, though, like – I think they can explain the total disappearance of what was once a great strength of his finishing around the rim, both in terms of being acrobatic, but also strong. Remember when he used to just dunk on dudes? Yeah. And I think a series of lower body injuries have either made that more difficult or dissuaded him from attacking the rim with, with as much. That second one sounds right. Just based on how he looks when he's going to the rim, he's going, he looks like every time he drives to the rim, he has a flashback to his injuries and all the years of rehab and stuff. So Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I do think the the injuries have played a toll. It's been a lot. He's had a lot to deal with in his lower body. We just look at that core four. Do you feel best with alongside them Gary Harris or Will Barton? 
just for a five-man lineup, let's not talk about a season, just fourth quarter, tight game. Who, who do you feel like is better on the court? Either one of you can answer that. Barton. And that's you. probably not the answer I had if you were to ask me this before the playoffs. I think I we actually talked about this, and I think I said Harris. But um, just just how that Lakers series ended just yeah. left a, a bad taste in my mouth where – you know, his defense couldn't even get him on the floor at the end of games. Right. Um, and, you know, Barton, he, he's not the on-ball defender that Gary is, but, I mean, he can lock in when it matters on, on defense. We've seen that from him before. So, I'd say Barton. You also, a guy that rebounds way better yeah. than he's gotten credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that matters, you know, a little bit in that Lakers series too. I, I'm with Wynn. I think you look at the way those few minutes looked, Barton, Barton seems more playable in that context. What does Gary Harris look like as a bench player? I mean, he's making more money than you would typically expect for a bench player, but if Barton was the starter next year, if the team just comes back, they just run it back. Barton's the starter next year, Gary Harris off the bench. Does that work? I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> it's $18 million for for a six-man who's, like, not a scorer. You know? <laughs> Woof. But maybe he guards a lot of six men are offensive players, you know. I mean, that's six yeah. man of the year always goes to the bench guard scorer, right? I mean, maybe that's yeah. his role in this team is hey, it's tough. Your, your bench score is always canceled out against Denver. I mean, how many of those guys really are there, though? There's like, not that many, you're right. For being honest, <laughs> the, like Isaiah Thomas. Playoff Rondo. And, and, We're not yeah. playing the Clippers every day. Yeah, just Lou Williams, a bunch of Lou Williamses. I don't know. I mean, maybe you have either Jordan Clarkson's. There's always, yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's a handful of teams that have that guy. Yeah, it's not ideal. I guess it could work. It's, it's not what, it's not something you'd love. This is the thing about getting paid. Every player, like if Gary Harris was making ten million right now, we'd be talking about how dope he is, right? Like just be like, oh man, this guy he locks up. Look, Donovan Mitchell had nothing against our, but the fact that he's paid is one of the highest played players. Where you evaluate him as such. Yeah. Did you have anything else there, vote before we got out? I just think Wynn's kind of right at that point. The role he's filling at that price point, you know what I mean? Yeah, You're yeah, just yeah. thinking, all right, how do we move this contract at this point? Yeah. Well, that will do it for today's episode, guys. we got one more of these coming on Friday to sort of frame the conversation for the Denver Nuggets. These have been fun. I think they've been informative as well. I've kinda, it's nice to kind of work through these different things. I almost feel like my perspective is being refined through this. So, um, All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again Friday with the final episode. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee, guys, is offering 30% off because of National Coffee Day this week. They're celebrating it all week. Uh, DMVR listeners can get 30% off with the code DNVR30. Also remember that StravaCraft Coffee has a subscription service. You can subscribe to StravaCraft Coffee, get it multiple times a month and save 20%. The code for that is DNVR20. It's super easy. You take care of it online, StravaCraftCoffee.com. Never put in your credit card again uh, with that StravaCraft Coffee subscription. And like I said, they are celebrating National Coffee Day all week. You can get 30% off with the code DNVR30 as well.